Hey everybody, in this video I'm going to share with you five simple habit changes you can make with your internal dialogue that will dramatically reduce feelings of anxiety or depression. Uh, if you don't know who I am, my name is Ty Hicks. I'm a mental health coach. I was suicidal and have been depression-free for over 16 years um, and did not find traditional methods uh, like therapy, counseling, medication um, to be very helpful for me. So I had to figure out my own way to live uh, without depression and anxiety and uh, now I'm, you know, blessed to help other people do that. There are so many people struggling. I don't want you to be one of them because you deserve to live a depression and anxiety-free life. Um, so let's dig into it. What I have found over the course of working with my clients and then, you know, when I was reflecting on my own experience, I realized that there were uh, simple little language uh, choices that people were making that I noticed time and time again. So when I would speak with uh, my clients, I would pick up on this and realize, oh my gosh, these people are feeling the same way and they're speaking in the same type of way. They're using the same type of words and phrases. And one thing I've learned over the years is that the language we choose to use exacerbates how we feel. Uh, it's one of several things that go into causing us to feel a certain way. So the classic example uh, is I had a woman I worked with years ago and she kept using the word humiliate to describe her experience. And she was talking about a uh, day when her boss cracked a joke uh, in a boardroom um, amongst her and her coworkers. And she said, I was so totally humiliated. And in my session with her, she kept using the word humiliated, humiliated to describe all sorts of things, not just that one uh, event. And she was getting really angry and, and upset. And so I asked her, I said, look, I could be wrong. I wasn't there, but, you know, I'm just curious. Do you think you were really humiliated or was your boss just kind of trying to poke a little bit of playful fun? And she considered it for a second and, you know, she said, oh, yeah, I guess maybe that's true. And her, you know, emotional intensity went from like a 12 down to like a four, you know, just with that one word change. And I told her, look, Let's try a little experiment. For the next two weeks, do not use the word humiliated and tell me what happens. And she was a little skeptical, and I was too, but we decided to give it a shot. And she didn't use that word for two weeks. She broke that habit. And what was amazing is I asked her, you know, how, how was it? How did it go? And she's like, oh, my God, I have not felt this much relief in years. I'm never going to use that word again. And I checked back with an, with her, uh, you know, a year later, and asked her how she was, and she was still doing fantastic. And I asked her if she was using that word anymore, and she said no. And that's when it really hit me that words really do matter. Words are like the building blocks of the philosophies that we believe about who we are and our life and what we are capable of doing and and other people. The words that we use matter, and the words that we use affect our mental health dramatically. So. These are what I call uh, my five poisonous words. Um, and the reason I like to call them poisonous words is because uh, I like to use the metaphor of like, imagine if you were eating a meal every day and you didn't know it, but there was a small, tiny amount of poison in that meal, right? And you couldn't even taste it. Uh, you wouldn't really feel very sick, you know, on your first day. But let's say you kept eating it and kept eating it over and over and over and you kept ingesting that small amount of poison. Well, that would be enough to build up in your system and eventually make you feel really, really sick, right? Um, so what I've found is that these words are poisonous in that way where they go undetected. We don't really notice that they're 
damaging our mental health until we've been using them too much. Um, and so if you start to break these habits, then you'll feel a whole lot better. You can cleanse yourself, if you will, of the poison. So here's the first one is the word should. Okay. This is a big anxiety inducer. It's also a big depression inducer uh, or just stress inducer. So it can be you blaming yourself like I should have done better or I shouldn't have done that in the past or I should be smarter than that. You can put it on other people. They should X, Y, Z. They shouldn't do this or that. And we can also do it on events or circumstances like um, that shouldn't have happened. The government shouldn't be doing this. You know, uh, businesses shouldn't be doing this. And that will always make you feel stressed, out of control, and depressed and all of that. So as it pertains to outside events and other people, you want to break the habit of even focusing on that primarily because that's just not going to help you. It's what you. It's not something you can control. But as it pertains to yourself, you want to replace should with either will or won't, okay? So if you're taking any notes, right, I like to have my clients do like a line down the paper and you got on the left what's bad and on the right what you need to do. So replace should with will or won't. So instead of I should work out, trade that for, you know, I will work out. And even if that feels a little new to you, if you build the habit of using that word choice, you're going to be amazed. It actually induces follow through. So like I will work out. Or if you really genuinely don't want to work out, then great. Just say, I, you know what? No, I won't work out today. But at least you're deciding, right? You're, the should thing causes you to blame yourself and stay in that state of indecision, okay? Number two is try for the exact same reason. So get rid of the word try from your vocabulary. I really mean it. Like break the habit of using it. Because when you say try, oh, I'll try. What that creates is it means you're going to exert effort until you feel uncomfortable, and then you're going to give up. That's what try means, and that's the habit it builds in the nervous system. So again, replace try with will or won't. You know, no, I'm not going to try to work out. I'm, I will work out, and that will make your life a whole other. The third one is can't. Okay, This one really should have been number one because this is a huge anxiety inducer. Um, depression too, yeah. But if you're saying, I can't do that, or she can't do that, or whatever, especially when it's about yourself, right? I can't do this. You want to trade that for, I can and I will. That's the phrase you want to build as a habit. No, I can and I will. And that Again, it'll feel a little new to you. It'll feel a little like fake it till you make it at first. But it's just because you're so used to the old thing. It's like having an old song stuck in your head, you know, and then trying to listen to a new song. You'll have to focus on the new song a little bit until the old song gets out of your head. Okay, the fourth one is getting rid of have to and trading that for get to. So many people who are feeling stressed and anxious, they start their day and they go, oh, I have to do this, I have to do that, I have to this, da, 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 right? And instead, I challenge you to trade that for I get to X, Y, Z. And you might think, okay, Ty, that's really cheesy, but no, for real, think about it. You can induce gratitude this way because, like, think about your job, for example, if you're working, uh, or your family, right? So, like, what chances are you either are taking care of kids uh, or you have a job of some type, right? Most people. And so most people will start their day and they'll think, oh, I have to do this at work. I have to do this at work. Or they'll do that for their family. Like, I have to clean the house. I got to do this. I got to do that. But those are get-tos. There are people in the world who don't have jobs, there are people in the world who don't have families. There are people in the world who don't have homes to clean. So 
when you change the word, it changes the meaning and meaning is what drives mental health. So when you change the meaning, you feel very different. And then the fifth one is, this one is more advanced, okay? But getting rid of but and changing that to and. So I'll give you a specific example. So very often people will say things to themselves like, well, you know, I really, really want to spend more time with my spouse, but I've got all these things to do. And what that does is it makes them feel stressed. It makes them feel out of control, makes them feel like they don't have choices. So what you want to trade that for is say, well, I really, really want to spend more time with my spouse and I have all these things to do, right? And you may not think that that makes a big difference, but it starts to get your brain to think differently. It starts to get your brain to think, okay, how can I have my cake and eat it too? How can I take care of both of these things? Not putting myself into a belief system that I have a false dilemma that I can only do this or I can only do this. Right. So those are the five big language habits that you want to break. And if you really are consistent on that and break yourself out of that, oh my gosh, the improvement on your mental health will be tremendous. Okay. So have fun with that. I really hope that helps you. And please engage with this video because every engagement means somebody whose mental health is struggling will get to see this content and it will help them. So it's a way for you to pay it forward um, to someone is, who's in need and we greatly appreciate it. So I look forward to serving you more in another video. Take care for now. See ya.